Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's April 27th, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Hey, Scott, uh, did you see this recent uh, thing that happened at the World Series of Poker Circuit event recently where the guy was playing... Uh, an event on his laptop, uh, actually a World Series of Poker dot com event. At the same time, that he's at the final table. Did you see that? And uh, yeah, I thought it was very interesting, um, particularly one part of it. So I'll let you finish your little intro here. But, well, uh, I mean, it was interesting because you know how when you're playing online, you get all excited and you, you say stuff or you're like whatever, you, and you yell at the screen, "Call, call," you know, or because you want the guy to call, or whatever. Well, by accident, this player was looking at a screen and said all in but he meant on the screen he meant his wsop.com event he wanted to go all in <laughs> so he went all in online but the dealer and everything forced him to go all in live and he had a crap hand and he ended up knocking out a player in 10th place to get the official final table of the main event and then he ended up winning the whole live event too and i just thought this is something we need to talk about on the show um, I I don't know what you think about ha- having people be able to play online while they're at a live table, but I I gotta tell you I you know I think in my in my estimation I think you need to make a choice. People have to make choices all the time: super salad, <laughs> red or white, top or bottom. I mean, you know you you've, you've got to make a choice and live by it. You know, remember the old days when smartphones became ubiquitous and you. You couldn't have a phone at the table at all, and then if you even looked at your phone, you were penalized, or you your hand was dead, and now you're playing two poker matches at once, and it, it just seems odd to me. How do you feel? Um, well, a couple of things. One, uh, that was the interesting item I thought was that he verbalized his online thing and, <laughs> and got lucky and won, so that's funny. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I guess here's how I would answer. I mean, generally speaking, yeah, I think it's distracting that you've got somebody playing online the same time they're playing live, particularly in big events like this, right? Yeah. Um, but the other side of me is going to say that the world is changing and we need to change with it. So, you know, back when we started this show, uh, people weren't on their cell phones at tables, right? People weren't streaming or Skyping or tweeting or any of this other stuff that's ubiquitous now right that everybody's doing and part of the argument along the way they had to drag poker players along like no you shouldn't have headphones oh no you shouldn't have phones and all this other stuff um but the reality is is that poker room managers and to some degree tournament directors have decided that if we stay heavy-handed on how technology is changing we lose players altogether. So we need to find a way to balance it. 
Um, so maybe that's the the issue here, and I don't know how you balance it here. But obviously, World Series wanted this player's rake for both events, and were willing to let him play one at the table. And so they made their decision on what they think. Um, and ultimately, players can make the decision on what they think by not playing in live events that allow you to play also in online events at the same time. Um, as a player, obviously, like anything else, I... I I've learned to live with these quote unquote distractional things. Yeah. Um, as long as the player is being respectful to the other players. Um, you know, I have no problem with somebody watching a movie on Netflix at the table. If the dealer doesn't have to remind him it's actions on him. And when he looks up, doesn't have to ask, all right, who bet and where and all that other stuff. Right. If, if he's following along with the action and betting, I don't care whether he's not paying attention. In fact, actually I might appreciate the fact that he's not paying attention to me. Right. True. true. Um, but so ultimately, I think this is going to be something that just works out with players. But I don't see it changing. Um, you know, even it's back when we started the company. I remember one of the things that Tampa Bay Downs was a big part of because they get a lot of business people in there. Is that they they made a big deal about bring your laptop, free Wi-Fi. Yeah, I remember that. Top while you're playing there, they saw it as a, a business plus that they were able to get people out of their office during the day and let them con- conduct their business at the track while playing poker. Um, and obviously policed it to the point that you know people could slow down the game doing it. But there obviously were players that didn't like that, and that's probably the case here. But I, I think we're in a world now where everything is virtual. They're trying to get online poker going in these states, which is going to be our next item that we're going to talk about. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to be on the wrong side of this. I think the right side is allow it, and um, but just be sure players know that they have a responsibility to – uh, pay attention to the live action. Yeah, because it wasn't just that in the beginning. It wasn't that it was going to slow the game down. It was more about collusion, safety, you know, security, whatever it was that you know somebody could be calling and saying, "Hey, I play with that guy," or standing behind them and saying, "I saw his car." You know, some weird right. way of doing it. But it was brought up as a security issue in the beginning. Why you wouldn't learn all to be on your phone. Um, and then it became more of a, "Hey, it's just a big pain in the butt that you're on the phone every time I'm trying to." you know, rake a pot or something. So what I think is be interesting would be kind of fun is to see somebody win two bracelets at once or two rings or something like that at the same time. That'd be like, if this guy had won the WSOP.com event and the main event, that'd be unbelievable. You know, on the well, same day. What about day. this for a twist? What about a tournament where you have to play both at the same time? Yeah. So, you know, that's embracing it and that's part both of the rules. That's cool. Your buy-in covers both tournaments and there's two separate prize pools. Have they done that before? I feel like they've done that before. It sounds familiar, so I'm not going to claim. I'm not going to go out and trademark it. <laughs> it does sound like if somebody they've done that before. At least I know they've done it where they played online. Then when it was a final table, they had to go play live. But I could have sworn they've done something like that before where they did. I think that's probably more as you're thinking about. It, so the uh, the online bracelets always end live. But, yeah, but it wouldn't be surprised me if somebody did a simultaneous. But that would be interesting. I think and. It'd be a neat, a neat twist, and obviously, if you're not into that, you wouldn't be entering that event, right? Yeah. Now, see, what we're talking about here is an event where you may be you're focused only on the live event or the online event, and now you're being inconvenienced by somebody playing both. So I get that difference, but um, I don't know. I just think the world's changed to the point now that this is how it's going to need to be. So again, if the player's being respectful about it and, and in this case, it, I would feel different if this player said, wait a minute, I didn't I was screaming down my computer, I wasn't talking um, to the actual live action and convinced them not to allow the bet 
that that I'd have a problem with, right? Yeah. So I mean, doesn't sound like the guy put up any argument here. Admitted <laughs> that he got crazy online and that, that affected his live play. And you know, if that's the case, that's fine. It does I, open up the uh, opportunity for angle shooting, though. You can pretend to be online and then you say all in and you try to argue your way out of the all in because you see the guy's a better hand than you or something. You know, some sort of angle should get him to fold, and if he doesn't fold, and then you get called, and you feel like chagrin. He's, oh no, I was talking to my computer. What you know? And it, I don't know. I, I think you've convinced me that as long as they police it properly and give them the proper warnings that hey, if you're going to do it, that's fine. But the minute we have to wait for you, your hand's dead or something like that. And then if you say something out loud to the computer, and it's your turn to act here or whatever, it, you're going to be held to that action here. So you better be careful. If they do something like that, then I guess I, I I'm sold. It's just. It just seems so annoying to me that that people just can't be entertained enough by the the event that they're at that they have. I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, we had people Let's on our go outside and bike or big wheel. Come home for dinner. My mom screams at you. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm done with it. Days. My rant is over. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I guess if you if you strip it down to the base level here, if you're not going to allow people to play online in a jurisdiction where they're allowed to play online at the table. Don't you also have to then tell them that they can't watch Netflix? Yeah. On their devices at all? I mean, how how else do you police what you're doing on your device, right? Right. So that that's kind of like uh, that, 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 I guess that's the, like the bare bones there answer there. I mean, we could continue talking about all kinds of other things after that, but that that's a difficult one for me to get past, you know. Yeah. Telling people, "Hey, yeah, you could be on Facebook, but not on Twitter." <laughs> You can be playing online poker, but don't be looking at porn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, uh, and at that point again, I don't see the incentive for a, for a room that's raking both of these events to discourage somebody from playing both. I agree. I I, I guess I'm I'm fine with it. It's just it, it, it was to me. I put it on the on the file because it was funny. Guy yeah, goes all yeah. in, doesn't mean oh, to as a crap hand, knocks the guy out, makes the final table, wins the event. It's hilarious. <laughs> but then when you dig deeper, you're kind of like, uh, imagine how that guy who's in tenth place feels. Yeah, well, you know? <clears throat> but he he was probably quite happy when yeah. the call was made, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's how poker works, right? <laughs> All right, online poker. Uh, I'm sorry, online player pools in three states presently permitted for online poker: Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware are expected to be combined by May first. In addition to increased player liquidity, players in New Jersey and Delaware will be able to compete in online World Series of Poker bracelet events from their homes and therefore therefore not uh, annoying Chris by playing at the table. That's right. Thank you very much. See, this is all you got to do <laughs> is just open up online play to everybody and they can stay home and play. Uh, it got me uh, thinking that, you know, first it's so cool that you can play for a bracelet in your bedroom. Right. Um, and then if I was going to play for a bracelet in my bedroom, I better invest in a generator. <laughs> right because really i mean what, what would you, you're at the final table for a bracelet and you get a power surge in florida because it's the summer you know and you lose power and you know obviously i'm not there those those states aren't affected by this but you know, eventually we may actually get online poker and do it so if i'm going to be someone who's going to do that yeah i'm going to invest in that but uh this this might save it i think that this might be enough people i i know i think we just got an email a little while ago from somebody who was looking forward to it yeah, you know, right, it's on, uh, on the Any Fans page, I think. Yeah, or that's what, yeah, that's what it was. And he was saying how, you know, hey, it's going to be – I mean, I know most of the Jersey players, and it's going to be great to get new, fresh players in there and, and more money and, and more liquidity. So uh, I think this is going to be a big deal, actually. I, I don't know why. I just have a feeling that this might be a big deal. 
And then when people start seeing the numbers of the money that could be made combined and stuff, maybe other states start to step up and combine with them, and eventually it'll just spread like a virus, I'm hoping. Well, I don't know about a virus because I don't want to get sick. But, but, you know, here's the other thing, too. Pennsylvania is approved online poker, so once they get up and running, I would imagine they would join this this compact as well, too, and that's that's a huge state, right? So um, so this is not a bad thing. This is something that we always hope that would need to be happening. Um, So that's good, and it certainly props up, like, Delaware, which has been struggling. You know, there's no players there, right? So that's great for them. so the more states that eventually add online poker, or this could also help states understand the benefits of doing online poker if they know that you know now that they have the possibility of joining three or four or seven or eight other states and doing it, and uh, they start seeing those numbers. Because again, as a legislature, uh, you're going to be looking at comparable comps and Nevada and Delaware unfortunately are not great comps because they're small states right yeah. so now if those numbers are all elevated because of the pooled play now it starts to look more lucrative to that, that particular state whatever state it is right um, and that just makes it easier for them to sell it in you know their capitals to, to get it um, approved so um, I don't see a lot of negatives here in fact I'm, I'm actually not sure of any negatives but um, but that would be the other one. It'd be, it'd be kind of nice to be sitting there in Dover, Delaware, at a Waffle House, <laughs> and with a bracelet, right? Kind of cool. That would be awesome. I, I just, I really think this might, this might be the start of something. I'm, I'm hoping it is. It, I just, I like to be positive when it comes to our industry, and I'm glad that all three of these states just said, you know what, common sense, and came through with it. And then you add Pennsylvania to that. Now you've got pretty much, you know, that's a pretty big area for for two decent states two smaller states and i don't know i'm hoping it goes forward so let's let's fingers crossed well i remember the other thing too that we've been uh, a lot of people have been waiting for um the supreme court didn't come out with it this monday so we're still waiting for it but this sports betting yeah um case before them, i think it's uh, murphy versus cwa um there's a lot of chatter in casinos all across the country uh, i think there's 20 some states that are that are proven and ready to go with sports betting if the ruling goes the right way. And a lot of them are, believe it will be, based on the arguments. Um, now, that doesn't have a lot to do with poker, although it's somewhat related. You know, people are, are in there. But that's going to increase online gaming or gaming in general in those states. And that's uh, and once people get comfortable with that, that makes these other things more comfortable or more amenable to those. Yeah, models. yeah. So... Um, there are there are a lot of things going on. We were kind of negative, I think, on this the future of poker a couple episodes ago. But these are two big developments, I think, or one one big development and one potentially big development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see. Yeah, when we you and I used to always go to the casinos when we were doing our tours and stuff. We always said, "Where's the sports book?" Because I know that's where the poker room is going to be, right next to it. Exactly. So yeah. they go hand in hand, uh, <clears throat> and so do they. Even in Florida, they go hand in hand when you think about so, yeah, you know the dogs and. Right, yeah. You know, so I mean, the betting always goes hand in hand with poker. So anything that, and you know, they're probably going to have a lot of these managers and directors of poker probably run the sports book too. So anything that helps his industry or their industry is going to help us. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. And it's funny how we just went from a glass half empty thing yeah. to a glass half full. I know. And as George Carlin would say, I just see a glass that's too big. 
<laughs> oh, I miss him. My, my barber, uh, bless his heart, he's Egyptian and he's a great guy. But he was trying to explain to me this comedian that he watched the other day. And he's like, he wears all black and he's talking about this. And in my mind, I'm like, it sounds a lot like George Carlin. But I'm like, where did he just see George Carlin? Yeah. And he keeps going and going. And he's like, oh, he, he's really old. He's probably dead now. And I'm like, ah, George Carlin. He's like, that's it. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I saw Carlin. He's funny. I saw him live at my college. He was great. Oh, Although, I saw him live a couple times. Yeah, kind of ticked me off, though. He, he had, like, notes that he was reading from. I'm like, come on, man. It doesn't mess up a thing. I mean, I had a friend that went to see Daryl Hammond who actually repeated the joke. Oh, jeez. Like 20 minutes after it. <laughs> I would rather have him read notes than repeat the joke. <laughs> all right. All right, moving on. Uh, China will be banning all poker apps on June 1st and what has been calling the Chinese Black Friday. Uh, as it will effectively shut down the burgeoning, uh, burgeoning online poker market in the world's most populous country. And also Norway will be blocking the IP addresses of foreign online poker op- operators on May 7th, also effectively shutting down online poker in that country. So now we're back to the glasses half empty. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, the question I have about Norway is effectively shutting down online poker in that country because they're shutting down the foreign ones, but can they get anyone that establishes within the country or they don't allow gambling in their country? That did not seem part of the, uh, the yeah. article. So okay. I don't think right. That's the one thing that might still save it. But. You know, less of a problem there because you're, you're in Europe and it's a smaller country and you're, you're close to being able to travel and, and play other places. Uh, China, though, is the biggest poker market in the world right now. I yeah. mean, it's doing really well as well, too. Um, and if, if you're here in America and you don't think that's a big deal, you need to rethink it because that's where you're getting more players, a uh, ton more players, and getting more and more money into the overall poker economy. Yeah. I know some of our listeners don't like to hear about the poker economy, but they need to because it's really important. So, you know, if you're pulling money in from Chinese players going to U.S. players playing in China that bring it back to the U.S. and then dump it off here, that's a good thing for. For us, so if they're you know banning all the apps, and I, and I think they had a um, a shutdown of a live event uh, not too long ago, which I just now heard of, um, that could be a big problem because there are billions of people there, right? And uh, it's a huge market, and uh, we need to to keep it growing. So um, hopefully, it won't be as bad as it sounds, but it it sounds pretty dire. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, any updates? The well is starting to run dry on Hand of the Week, Listener Spotlight, and Call the Floor submissions. Email us at podcast at com or post in the Antiup Fans group on Facebook. If you'd like to be one of our monthly magazine contributors and represent Antiup in your home area, apply at com slash ambassadors. We have an immediate opening in the Northeast. You know, Northeast, you know, Northeast. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. It's not unusual that Tom Jones sends us an email. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you're the parents of someone... You're such a pussycat. I know. I, I, you know, whoa, whoa. But if you're <laughs> if you're thinking, you know, hey, my last name's Jones and I'm having a kid and it's a boy, do I really want to name him Tom? Well, they probably need even Thomas, so he's he's choosing to he's have choosing you make fun of his name. He, I mean, he could be Thomas. The, the pattern shirt buttoned down to his navel and big chains. <laughs> he says, I wrote in not too long ago about a collusion situation I was facing in a home game between the host and his wife. We remember that vividly. Yep. 
Though the collusion has died down, we have a newish player who has been playing the game for about a year and is more there for the social aspects. In one hand, this player folded to a river bet. The winner tossed his cars to the dealer, and the other player turned them over. He giggled, sounds like Scott, <laughs> and said he just wanted to see what you had. This is at least the second time this player has done this. He's a semi-regular and just doesn't seem to be getting any better, however. We are hurting for players and have have to cancel every so often because of not enough interest. Sounds like our home game. All the players at the table uh, made it clear that this is not okay. The host even somewhat berated him. Since we need all the players we can get, we don't really want to stop inviting him to the game. Plus, he's pretty easy money. What can be done about this? Um, all right, so Tom uh, got back to me. Uh, first of all, he prefers Tom, not Thomas, so okay. doesn't care. Actually, no, I didn't ask him that. I'm just going to assume that. But uh, No, he got back to me and uh, really appreciated my advice um, on it. So, you know, essentially what I told him is I, I, I get – I understand – the, the quandary here, right? You, you're having trouble getting people to the game. Some games aren't going off because you're not getting enough players. So at this point, you don't want to scare more players away and make more games not happen, right? Um, but at the same time, uh, and I know they also want to have a very social game and a fun game and keep it that way. So I get all that. But uh, at what cost are you costing yourself players that are getting fed up with these kind of antics? How many of those players are not coming every week because of this, right? Mm. So you can't just focus on this one guy and driving this one guy away. You have to um, – if if somebody's doing something that they shouldn't do, and this is the case of that, um, it's more beneficial to your game to be firm about that and lose that player than to lose some other players that are playing properly, right? So I think the best way is, again, I always like to kill people with kindness, is uh, just to let the player know, hey, you know, this, we're having fun here. We want to keep this a social game. But there are certain rules that we just absolutely can't bend on. Um, and, you know, touching another player's cards and particularly exposing them after the hand is something that will get you ejected from a real poker room. And um, so just understand the gravity of it and... Um, and I hope the player understands that you're not being a jerk to him. You're just trying to explain why this means a big deal. I don't know if I should say anything now. <laughs> because he appreciated your response and it you was... Have a completely different fun. response. It's, it's not that I have a completely different response because I. it's just that there are some things that I think we have to think about as well. One, <clears throat> if you wanted to, you could have a meeting tell the guy the home game's at 7.15, tell all the other guys home game's at 7. They all get there at once before him, and you say, look, this is what's happening. We know he's doing this. Is it bothering enough of you that you're going to leave the game if he keeps being this immature, you know, dork? If they all say, no, who cares? You know, all right, it's bothering me, but I'm not, this guy's a fish. I want his money, so whatever. Then you all come up together with a consensus of how you want to approach it with him and then do what Scott said. The other thing that you could also do is you got to put some onus on the players themselves, too. If you know this guy is doing that and you want him to stay in the game, then make sure you muck properly. You know what I mean? Like, like put it into the muck. If you don't want him to see your cards, hold the cards down until he gets pop-pushed you and the dealer takes the cards from you. I mean, I'm not saying you need to do that. You shouldn't have to change your life because someone else is a dirt, uh, dork. But to me, yeah. I'm saying if, if, if just like in the home game, you know, I mean, in a casino, you don't protect your cards, they'll muck your cards. 
you're responsible for your cards, so you're responsible for your cards here, too. If you knew this guy had done it in the past, and now he's done it at least twice, when you fold, you know, go to the dealer and fold to the dealer. If he's the dealer, say, all right, well, I'm not giving you the cards until you pass it to the next guy to deal because I know you want to look at the cards and it's not your right. You know, I don't say berate him or, you know, like I said, I guess he said that happened somewhere in there. Someone may have berated him, but, you know, make it clear that this guy needs to understand the rules. There are rules, just like a straight beats three of a kind. This is a rule. You don't touch other people's cards and you certainly don't expose them. So I, I'm sort of on the same path as you. I'm just saying, you know, you have to have some accountability yourself with your cards when you're mocking them. If Even though this guy's breaking the rules, you could stop that from happening. And then lastly, you know, I would, I would just tell the guy, you know, look, we want you to you know, we want you to stay in the game. We want to keep having this game, but you're not being fair to the others. Would you like us to do stuff that you don't like to your cards or to your chip stack or, or whatever, you know, or not one time you want a hand, I don't pay you. Why aren't, why aren't you get, pay the bet? No. Why? Why should I? Well, it's a rule. You call my, well, it's a rule not to touch my cards, but you keep doing that. So here's five bucks. You're not getting, you know, and then I'll start some sort of discussion about it, maybe out in the open. And then he'll agree to never do it again. So there's different ways of dealing with a dog that pees on the rug, you know, that's true, and it also depends on the dog too, right? Yeah, exactly, right. the player. So maybe he maybe he uh, is you know uh, responds to something a little more in public than not, or maybe he responds to something in private. Who knows? But I would definitely get together with the buds and say, hey, does this bother you guys enough to not come to the game? Because if it is, then we got to be firm with them. If it's not, then we just got to protect our cards and casually tell them again. You know, it's the third time you've done this. Another time you could be ejected because they do that in home in uh, casinos. There's no reason we should put up with it. You know, I know we're here to have fun and be social, but we're also here to make money and play in a certain way. And I don't want to change yeah, the way I play I because of you. That's why I think it's it's good just to say, make it clear that that everybody wants to have fun. So we're not trying to take away this guy's fun, but there are just a few rules. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with just a few rules. Yeah. You know, if you want to say, hey, we're gonna like be strict on poker TDA here. Yeah, you're gonna drive that player away, and probably some couple other ones. Home games are supposed to be a little bit more fun. Um, it just depends on the players, you know. Maybe yeah. our home games out there that want to be as strict as possible, and that's fine. No problem with that. This one doesn't seem that way, so. But I, that's the way I think I appeal to them. Is like, all right, so you could come here tonight, just don't kill anyone. All right, that one rule. Can we agree on that one? <laughs> all right, good. We agreed on that one. How about the second one? You don't throw the cards. Good. Now, only two rules. Only two rules. <laughs> don't kill anybody. Don't touch anybody's cards. That's it. <laughs> So, uh, all right. Oh, cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast.andyatmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. I got to tell you, having Elliot on the cruise with us this last time, he deals so fast that you don't understand where the cards are. I literally have not seen a faster dealer in my life. I have never and, seen it. I mean, there are some young guns out there who whip them around and stuff, but not this. I mean, sometimes he'll, like, deal two cards at once and find them and slip right in. But, I mean, for the most part, when he deals cards, it's it's a blur. It's like a white blur on the table. It's like we have a betting line on the table when he deals. It's remarkable. Now, I will say the downside is it cost me a lot of money in Taiwanese poker, which actually, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't bring that up on the show last week. I crushed I? it, by the way. I want you to understand, I crushed that game. <laughs> I literally, literally bankrupted every player who played it with me. And then the one who got away was Elliot because he had to go deal. Otherwise, I would have taken all Elliot's money, too. 
I don't know how I did, but we'll talk about that next show. Yeah, put on the show notes right now. But anyhow, yeah, so I, I played that with him, and, uh, and you know, obviously we self-deal that. Just yeah, we're just having me. fun in the corner of the poker room while we're waiting for the last game to break or something. We got about, like, 4,000 more hands of that in <laughs> than we would have had. It was just me fumbling on the cards. So. Anyway, and he deals fast. <laughs> All right, so this comes from Billy Bob. He said, I was playing in a 1-2 no-limit hold'em cash game at a large casino on a Saturday night. One of the players was on his cell the entire time while watching basketball on TV. He had a bet on the game and was carrying on a loud conversation as if there was no one else in the room. His language was consistent with a guy that would do the above. (laughs) Since he was distracted by the phone and TV, he was repeatedly prompted by the dealer to post or act. When other players commented, his responses were less than civil. When should a dealer demand a player avoid vulgar language and hang up? Why didn't the dealer call the floor? Should he have? All right, so Elliot's still relaxing from the cruise, so we didn't want to bother <laughs> him with bother all of this. Although I literally did send him a call to the floor while he was dealing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that. Which I thought was funny. But um, um, when should a player demand? All the time. Every time. I mean, when should a dealer demand a player avoid vulgar language and hang up? All the time. Every, time. Every single time. Yeah. You should not be subjected to um, gross profanity. And distractions at the game. Everybody's gonna, you know, drop a s bomb from here to there, but uh, from time to time. Um, but if, if this player is consistently making people cringe with his language and consistently holding up the game, the dealer should take control of that situation. And the dealer doesn't take control of that situation. Every other player at the table has the control to take control of that situation by asking the dealer to bring a floor. You should never have to put up with anything at the poker table that you think is out of the norm of poker and uncomfortable to you. Yep. Um, that's what floors are there for. So, you know, if you're and your dealer should instinctively know that. I don't know any dealer that enjoys being uh, sworn at at the table, right? They right. a lot of them know it happens, and some of them can let it roll off their back more than others, but uh, none of them enjoy it. And the really good ones, you know, bite back. And um, even if, even if that language is not directed at them, if it's directed at other players, because those deal- smart dealers know that their income depends on people being at the game. That's right. So the more people enjoy being at the table, the more likely they are to tip, more likely to tip more. So being at a – and we've all sat at tables where we've been uncomfortable, right, because there's one guy there just making everybody uncomfortable and no one's having any fun. Um, I would love to see a scientific study on how the tips go down in that scenario, but I'm sure they do, right? Right. You know, when you're at a game where everybody's having a good time, you're swapping stories about, you know, what you're watching on TV, and everybody's laughing and drinking. I'm sure those dealers do way better <laughs> than, than other, right? It's just human nature. So, so there is a a financial reason for the dealer to. There's also a, obviously a completely ethical reason to um, demand that players play properly and, and follow the action. So um, if your dealer is not taking control of the situation here, they are not a very good deal. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're, you're costing your poker room money. You're costing yourself tips. You're costing the players' hands and frustrating them, and then eventually they may not show up. They say, oh, this poker room allows guys to be vulgar and on the phone and slowing the game down. I'm not going to go to that room when I have another one to go to. Now, if you're the only game in town, you might be a little you know, less hesitant to do something like that. But I think in this case, you know, let them have it. Well, I think that's an excellent point about if you have competition in your market and that I don't think that dealers think about this enough. And I don't think some poker managers think about this enough, that 
Um, just because a player doesn't come to you and say, I am disgusted with how you run your room, I'm not coming back to you, doesn't mean that they don't come back. Right. Sometimes they just like, you know, hey, uh, I've had enough. I'm going to slink out of here. I'm not going to make a big deal because obviously I don't think that this room cares enough to make a big deal. And I'm just going to go to the room across the street. Yep. Um, and then you lose them forever. So that's all the more reason to be proactive and running a good room and a friendly room and a positive room. That way you don't lose those silent players that that are going to slink out. So um, I've seen that a lot with dealers. I'm like, oh, if they somebody had a problem, they would have told me. I'm like, no. <laughs> no. that's right they don't want to be confrontational they don't yeah. want to start that argument they just want to play poker and if they can get the same product somewhere else and not have to have that conversation with you they're not going to so be proactive and, and stop this kind of behavior and even if you're the only room in town that doesn't mean that players are still going to come and play they could decide you know what I can go play golf yeah. no one's going to scream at me there I can go to a movie everybody's quieter than that Scott guy that's munching on popcorn <laughs> You know, and drinking well, I, beer. <laughs> I never met anybody drink beer at a theater, but it's you. You do. <laughs> the guy smuggled it in too. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah. So just because you're the only game in town doesn't mean that people won't find something else to do with their time oh, either. Right, so all all dog. the reasons that dealers should treat their poker room that they work in as if they own it, and same with floors, and same with the uh, poker managers. So um, and same with players for that matter. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be this player that says. I don't like how this room is run, so I'm going to go golf today instead of play poker. I, I want to play poker, so yeah, yeah. there's responsibility for me to speak up. And again, if you're not confrontational, you don't have to do it when you're at the table. But I mean, there's a poker manager somewhere. Go find him or her, and say, "Hey, why don't you take a look at what's going on over there?" Yeah, I agree. Uh, we get to complete O'Malley's move today. It's an Omaha hand. I, I was wondering, should we call it when it's Omaha? Should we call it like O'Malley Ha or something? That sounds pretty funny. <laughs> Or no, we just called Mally's move. It'd be the O's already. The O's in go, the- yeah, O's implied, right? The big old Mally's move. Big old, big <laughs> Mally's. I don't know. All right, so here comes Parker. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we are seated in a $4, $8 Omaha 8 game. There are quite a few older gentlemen at the table with maybe one or two young guns. We would be considered one of the young guns. The blinds post, the under-the-gun calls, the plus-one calls, MPs one and two-fold, hijack calls, and we're on the cutoff with the ace of clubs, king of diamonds, five of spades, four of clubs. This is a pretty decent hand, and with so many people in the pot, I'd like to raise and see if we can get any ace threes out of this. We make it two bets to go. No one at this table is in jeopardy of busting out on one hand. The button folds, blinds get out of the way. Under the gun calls, plus one folds, hijack calls, and we're going to a flop three-handed with $34 in the pot. The flop is the king of clubs, five of hearts, tray of clubs. This is a pretty decent flop, and with two rocks to act before us, we can assume they'll bet if they have a made hand and check if they don't. Both players check to us, and we make a $4 bet. Both players call. With $46 into the pot, the turn is the eight of spades. The under the gun quickly fires a bet of $8 into the pot, and the hijack insta-raises him to 16. So, the action's on us. Are we three-betting here? Is this a case where we're just calling to see a river? Or is there a case for folding? What's the move? 
I like raising this spot. Um, <clears throat> we have two pairs, so we have boat outs to go with our nut flush outs. And we have the second nut low. Uh, we might be up against two made ace deuce hands. And if so, we want to quarter them if our hire improves or scoop them if a deuce comes on the river. Yeah, I don't know if you'd want to listen to Scott if after you saw how he played in the cruise as well. <laughs> I was unlucky. Yeah, you're unlucky. I, I just want to call here. I appreciate the possibilities, like you said, but I also realize that we trail sets and don't want to reopen betting just yet, I don't think. So I, I think I'm just going to call. Well, let's see what happens. Hello again. I like a call here. The proper poker play may be a raise, but the eight of spades just feels a little fishy. I think I'm up against a made low and a made high, and yes, even though I know I have top and middle pair and a huge draw, this just really isn't my strongest game. We call. It eventually gets capped, and we call again. Ugh. With a huge pot of $142, the river is the tray of hearts. The under the gun once again bets, the hijack once again raises, and at this point, we can see the writing on the wall. We muck. It gets capped again, and we watch as the under the gun turns over the ace of spades, eight of hearts, eight of clubs, deuce of hearts, for eights full and the nut low. The hijack rolls his eyes and turns over the ace of hearts, king of spades, tray of spades, deuce of diamonds, for threes full and the nut low. Yikes. Tough one. Why wasn't the hijack raising preflop? Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes you gotta play the games you aren't entirely comfortable in. Even if it might cost you a buy-in. I hope to see you on the felt. O'Malley makes a good point, I think, about playing a little more cautiously in games uh, with which you're not as comfortable. Uh, you don't want to do that too often uh, because you give up too much value, but sometimes the best play isn't the optimal play. That's something I've been saying on this show for years. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, it se- but a boat or trips, it seems certain here to me. So I'm all for being cautious too, or at least until I get a feel for how these players play in the game, the way it's 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 running. You know, like like there there are two different games when one player sits down. You know, what I mean, you can have a player who calls all day long, and all of a sudden the game changes the con- the complexity of it very very quickly, and that person leaves. Also, the game changes. So until I'm comfortable, I'm I'm always cautious. So no no fault well- in that. And the comfort's important. This is one of the things I tell people when they read a book, any kind of poker strategy book, right? Mm-hmm. And and this person that's got millions of dollars in career earnings obviously knows what he's doing, tells you, this is how you play this hand, right? Right. And then you're like, I can't play the hand that way. All right? So which way should you play it? Should you play it the optimal way and get crushed because you, you just don't have the, the fortitude to play it correctly? Or do you make an adjustment and play a less optimally way, but a play that you're more comfortable with? Right. And I'm always going to side with that. But you also have to also keep in mind that you are playing suboptimally, and you need to get yourself to the point that you can make the move, the proper move. So it takes some time. We all have to learn everything, right? We all crawl before we walk. So crawl a little bit, but as soon as you can walk, you need to be walking. Yes. Don't go back to crawling after you walk. That's right. <laughs> you need to be walking. Unless, unless you're drunk on Bourbon Street. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for the advancedpokertrading.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. comes from Josh Emery, and he uh, describes this as a situation, but as always, we'll play it as a hand until we realize it's a situation. All right? Okay. 
All right. Uh, <coughs> he says, uh, this is the second tournament out of the last three that I've been eliminated with ace-ace. Spoiler alert. Uh, first one was was easy. The end of the gun raise. I three-bet on the button. They shoved. I called. Aces against tens, and they rivered a ten. I was in the money, but basically a min cash. We have two poker rooms in town. Out of all the weekly tournaments, this one is the best and the one I play most regularly with a $250 buy-in, $10,000 guarantee that typically sees a prize pool in the fifteen dollars to $20,000 range. Hmm. Down to 15 uh, players, seven at our table. Tournament plays at the top nine, and the final table usually agrees to give 250 to 10th. That old uh, bubble save, right? Yeah. Uh, blinds are uh, $300 ante, win $1,000, $2,000. I'm sitting with $22,600. So it's out of 11 big blinds, right? Um, he says the small blind, the big blind, or the other two short stacks with less than 30000 each. Um, under the gun, uh, I don't recognize the under gun plus one or the middle position player. as in, uh, They are both middle-aged and have around 50000 and haven't been very active since I was moved to this table when we are down to two tables. I see them as uh, tags. Uh, Cutoff is a tournament chip leader with close to 200,000. With his big stack, he's been pretty active, but not necessarily aggressive. He's been catching cards for a while. Button is an Asian man who's a maniac. Very aggressive, and at the bigger stacks route, he had no problem shoving 30, 40 big blind stacks just to pick up the blinds. So again, we're under the gun, down, under the gun and look down at ace-ace. Shove. I mean, if you're, it's got 300, right? 300 antes, which I understand is only seven at the table, so you've got 2,100 there for every time around, but you got three, so you got 5,000, so you only got an M of basically four. It's a sho- your shove or, you know, fold mode, I think, at this point, and you, you'd be happy to pick up that 10 grand or eight grand, whatever it's it is. Stack by almost 25% here. Yeah, it's 25 your stack. I'd be happy to do it, and I don't want anybody to call, and if they do, I'm, I mean, not that I don't want them to call. That, that's wrong. What I'm saying is I don't care if somebody, if they call, I'm golden. And if they don't call, I'm picking up, like I said, three and t- five grand. So I'm happy to pick up 25% of my stack with one play. Even if the, you know, even if the blinds are going up or whatever, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you can survive another round here uh, to get to that top 10. So yeah. I'm shoving. I'm not even thinking about it. Plus, Anything else looks fishy the, too. You have one of the best hands here. Ace, ace is a pretty good hand, right? <laughs> Uh, no, I, you know, this is a no-brainer for me. It's 11 big blinds. I'm shoving with 15 with with worse hands yeah. in this spot. This is the best hand. Um, I, I think if you get tricky, and I hope he doesn't get tricky here and try to get somebody else to call to try to get value, that's the worst thing you can do here. Just shove, and if you pick up the blinds, that's a good day at the office. And if one person calls, that's a better day at the office. And... Obviously, if everybody calls or something crazy like that, then, you know, hey, you couldn't have predicted that. Right. And and nothing was going to change anyhow if you limped um, or did a smaller raise or some other kind of stuff. Those people were all going to be in anyhow, right? Yeah. So just dismiss that. Let's just shove here and hope people think you're making a move, which, hey, if I'm at a table and I see somebody with 11 big blinds, I, I, I'm i giving them credit for a pretty wide range. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, my God, they must have aces. So I'm more likely to call you there than I am anywhere else. And trust me, you want one person to call here at least. So yeah, either way, though, if they don't, 25% of your stack in one hand, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. and get a whole nother level. Yep. yep. All right, uh, here it says, obviously a shove is reasonable with only six minutes left until blinds go to 400 and 2,000, 4,000. I feel like I need to get more value. No, don't go in there. <laughs> 
I raised to 5,500 with the intention of shoving my remaining 17,000 on any flop. Uh, Underground plus one and middle position fold. Um, but the monster stack calls. The button thinks for a while. I was hoping for a shove, but he decides to call. And the bo- uh, small blind folds, but the big blind calls. So half the table in this hand now. Oof. Flop comes Jack, 10, 6, Rainbow. The big blind checks and back to us with 25,000 in the pot. 17,000 in our stack. Hey, I mean, I mean, you're shoving, right? I mean, it sucks because it's somewhat coordinated if somebody got frisky. Yeah, this is what's going to happen. We're going to shove and somebody's going to turn over Jack, 10. Probably that Jack off that host Annie up and <laughs> can't lay down Jack, 10, right? Um, or you know, draw, happening. you know, King, Queen nine eight nine you know you got all open-ended stuff there so yeah something's gonna happen now but we gotta shove what we're gonna do is check now yeah i mean it's it's a little bit more than half a pot size bet uh if anybody has a jack of 10 and the big plant the big big stack has a six probably gonna call and that's fine uh obviously we're gonna be devastated if they turn over two pair we're gonna have to approve with a weaker uh kicker but um I mean, we, what else are you going to do here? You're not going to fold now, right? I don't think so. And if you check or put some kind of weak bet in here, now you're just inviting other people to stay in and get one more chance to, to catch up to you. So Yeah, you got to get it all in. I think our only option pre-flop was the show, so our only option now is the show. Um. All right. Uh, that's what our hero does. He shoves his remaining seventeen thousand into the pot. He says that was my plan from the start, and I can only be behind the three sets or jack ten. And if you get any jacks. And possibly tens would have three better shoved preflop. The monster stack calls, uh, but the button and big blind fold. He turns over king queen offsuit or open ender. I think we know where this is going to go, right? Yeah. The turn is a brick and the river is an ace to give us a set, but no. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. Is that the good? He said ouch. <laughs> uh, completely good with the call. He had two overs and possibly assumes he had all eight of, uh, eight of his outs straight, not just six. I'm curious what you guys think of my choice to just raise my stack size versus shove or limp. He says, I think a shove preflop most likely would still have been called by the monster stack. That I agree with. Uh, the button in the big blind uh, would have folded pre. Uh, I could have limped in that scenario if a monster stack also limped. Maniac might have shoved, but most likely I think a monster would have made some kind of raise. Then regardless of what the maniac or the big blind did, I would have shoved preflop and a monster would have called. At the end of the day, I think this would have been the result, end result no matter what. And all three options, limp, raise, shove, or positive EV. Just curious what you guys' thoughts. Taking any line other than initial shove with only 11 big blinds. Now, after he explained that, um, I, w- I was already writing my email, as I usually do before I read all the way. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, I think there is an, an interesting case. I'm not saying I'm, I'm sold on it. Uh, I think I'm still on team shove here. But I do think the limp is an interesting other option here i i understand what you're saying if you think what you ideally want though no matter what because you're not supposed to know these guys cards ahead of time so ideally you don't want 50 guys in the hand though and if you're limping you got three limpers when you raised how many you're gonna get when you got callers i mean when you raise how many you gonna get when you limp but again we're going off the information that our 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 hand of the week submitters give us right yeah and and, uh, his um his belief was that this monster stack was going to raise us at that point. Um, so if that's the case, then you're, you you have some limpers in there, but they're probably not going to stick around after you show them. So now you've got more dead money in there than you would have uh, 
had to be shoved, and only that guy called, right? Um, but so th- to make this play work, though, you need to have that kind of read on the player, right? You need to know that somebody's going to raise. Um, but you, so that's the thing, that's though. The is thing. I, I don't know if I can agree with that statement about thinking this guy's going to raise preflop because if I remember correctly, he said the big stack was active but not aggressive. So active means he plays a lot of hands. Doesn't mean he's going to raise you now because you limped. And if he doesn't, then you're screwed. You got six guys in the pot with you. When the only thing you're thinking at that time, with no information ahead of time about what their actual hands are, is I need to get these blinds and these antes into my stack, or I need to get heads up with somebody who's going to want to call my my shove. A limping hand without somebody at that table you know is going to raise is asking for trouble and asking for a multi-way pot that aces struggle in. I, I really think that. I don't think the limp is the right, and I think it still doesn't matter. I think whatever happens now, if you limp and then that that flop comes and he doesn't raise, or if he does raise and you shove, he still calls because he's got the huge stack. No matter what happens, you lose all your money, I think, unless you shove pre-flop and maybe he doesn't call 10% of his stack uh, with king-queen. That's the only That's way you keep money. So, again, we were, we were on team shove in the beginning. Yeah. He may not, if he, he's not particularly aggressive, as he, as you pointed out, was described, um, he is probably less likely to call us all in with king-queen offsuit. Um, whereas if he limped, and I think he definitely would have shoved that because he's got to look at your stack and, like, why is this guy only limping? Depending on how the play goes. I mean, yeah. if we go back to that, that Dean from, hand from Dean uh, two weeks ago, uh, where everybody was playing scared, at that point, I'm not going to put anybody on this tricky ace-ace thing. I think they're just scared. So yeah. <laughs> if I have this kind of stack and that kind of hand, I'm just going to pick up that easy money now, right? Uh, that may be different here. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, it, that, but that's that's us knowing the cards. Um, otherwise, I... I I mean, I guess the other advantage if you limp and then you just know you're going to shove whatever, and you just, now you're just playing a lottery with the flop. You know, this flop comes, and I would be excited about this flop with aces. You know, so it turns out no one had jack ten. I mean, he had to hit his hand. Plenty of outs to do it, but um, you would have picked up some more. I mean, I guess you're looking at the tournament. What's the best way to get the farthest in this tournament? That's another consideration here, right? Mm-hmm. So we have 15 players and pays top nine. Now, if this played top three. Now I need to. I, I'd want to get as many chips as possible right now. Um, we we need to lose six more players. Actually, only five because they're going to do a bubble save. If they think right, so five more players. So maybe shoving here and pick up the blinds that gives you another five six hands for somebody, a couple people to get knocked out. And he said at least two other stacks of their table were at thirty thousand, which is in shove mode. I think. Who know at the other table? Let's assume it's about the same. There's three other, so you got six people at risk of going out on any particular hand. Um, I think with all that, that that's all the more reason for me to shove now and just pick up another round to buy me some some time. Yeah. Again, if somebody calls and we win, then we double up, and that's even better, right? So. Yeah, he's look. If he's looking for a different outcome, the only play for a different outcome would be to shove preflop. All the other outcomes get this guy with the king queen to call you at some point. And he's the one who makes Broadway. So the only way you, you – and, and it, it's optimal play, too. That's the thing. The optimal play going in, if you're reading the book, if you're going by M, if you're going by blinds, if you're going by stack size, if you're going by all that, the optimal play was shove preflop, and you may have gotten him to fold, and you may have gotten 25% of your stack added. 
the only other way. Anything else, this guy somehow is not going to put down. He obviously didn't when there was money in the Maybe if there's no money in the middle, he doesn't go for the, the straight, but I doubt it. He's got a chance well, to knock another player out. Luckily, there was that, you know, if he only pays the top three, I'm more interested in getting chips than I am avoiding being eliminated, right? Right. We're here. I, I think there's a, we're close enough to the end that we can play a little safer. Obviously, we don't want to play to cash. We want to play to win, but we could play a little safer. And a safer play there is to shove and just pick up the blinds. Um, the other way, if we're trying to chip up, the limp, again, not optimal, but it could result in more money getting in the pot. It's going to be harder for us to win that money. But, again, if we've got to fade 12 more people, we're going to have a lot of tough decisions coming down the road. So, at that point, that that would be my argument for being able to limp if, if we were so far away from the money here that, that we needed to chip up. But we weren't, so... Could you check the flop and then, like, check raise, shove, or could you check the flop and then get away from it? Like, if this guy shoved, could you believe him that he has jack-10, even though he doesn't, and then get away from it and save money? I, I don't know how you get away from it. But that's the other outcome of saving Well, I don't money. know if I'd want to get away from it, but maybe I'd want to check and hope somebody catches, improves, but doesn't catch up. I don't know exactly what that would be at this point because it would have to be a king or a queen, a king or a queen. Now I'm worried about that straight being completed. Although we have two aces, so, you know. Yeah. I, that that might be another interesting thing. You're right at that point. I, I Whether it's a check. I'm not going to check full, but check and hope that either checks around or somebody puts a small bet and everybody calls and then a couple of people catch up and our aces still end up being all right. Because maybe there's a bigger stack at the table that scares the biggest stack and that guy takes an opportunity to say, I'm just going to shove a bluff and he shoves for 40 grand or something and that's too much for the other guy to go in for his straight draw. Then you call. that. See, I don't know what the other stack sizes are, but I, I think we're getting way deep into this that it's just right. almost impossible to do this in real time either. So True. I think it's got to be a shove. Yeah. All right, Josh. Well, at least you made the show, right? <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Locke. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise... Send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.